0: Well, it is an honor to be here again, like I said. God's been stirring a message in my heart over the last several weeks. It's just been in my spirit. And it's this, the Christian life requires faith. The Christian life requires faith. If you're going to live the Christian life successfully and do all that God wants you to do, it will require you walking with him by faith, not by sight, but by faith. There's going to be things you don't understand and you don't know, but God is asking you to grab a hold of his hand and trust him one day at a time. He knows all the details. You don't. And he wants you to trust that he knows the right path to go forward. Many times we don't want that. We want all the details spelled out for us. We want to know every little thing that we're going to need to know before we take that next step and I've learned with God along with everybody in scripture that has walked with God that it requires faith and trust. Amen. Good. This is what Hebrews 11:6 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him for whoever comes near to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. It's impossible to walk with God and please him without faith. You can't can't walk with God, and you can't be pleasing to God if you're not activating your faith Mm. and trusting him. So it is a requirement for believers to walk Trust in, lean upon God with all of your heart. That's by faith. This is, so what is faith? It talks about this in Hebrews. It keeps talking. We're going to learn. Now, faith is the assurance, the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. In other words, God deposits in you a seed of faith, a gift of faith that you know that you know it's true. God puts something inside of you for a dream or a purpose or that he exists and that he has a great plan for your life. He puts that there. You can't see the reality of it because you've not stepped into it yet, but he's asking you by faith to trust him. He puts this knowing that you know that you know, I don't know how to explain it, that you just have this knowing it's God. Deposited in your spirit. No one can see it. There's no reality of it. But God's saying, I want you to believe me at my word that what I said to you will come to pass. What I said to you, I will bring it forth in due season at the appointed time by faith. We're going to keep reading on. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old... Gained divine approval. In other words, when God said something to a man of God or woman of God in, throughout the Bible, it was like they had this knowing. There was a seed uh, deposited where they knew it was God and that he was going to do what he said. God said he was pleased when, with people when they took him at his word and they, he, they just agreed with him. Yeah. He said, that's faith. Faith is the assurance or confirmation of what God says is true will actually happen. And the promises God speaks to us in our spirit are guaranteed, even though we cannot see the manifestations of them without our physical senses. In other words, we have to first believe by faith, and then we'll see the reality of them over time. By faith, we understand that what was created was made by God who is invisible. By faith, we know that no one was around when the creation happened. We have to take God at his word that he spoke it into being. This is what Hebrews 11.3 says. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by God. He spoke the universe and all things into existence. I'm amazed that some people refuse to believe in God. They believe nothing. That's faith. They believe that it all came from nothing. Big bang. Poof. <laughs> and we just exist. But God says this in His Word in Romans 1 18 through 21. It says this. But God showed His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities and his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. I, I, my degree was landscape architecture, so I, I'm a designer. And I love looking at buildings and developments and say, that was so cool. Someone had a brilliant mind that created that building. In fact, in Atlanta where I live, right catty-quarter from me is this complex that is three sky rises. One's 18 stories, one's like 23 stories or, or maybe 12 stories, and one's over 30 stories tall. Whoa. And it's amazing. It is such a beautiful thing. And I've seen it from start to finish, the whole thing go up. Never once did I say, if you just put all those materials in a big pile with dynamite and blew it up, (laughs) that one in a billion chances it would make that exact thing. We all know that it was created by a designer, intricately thought out and planned for months, maybe years, and then with great precision, the engineers and the architects and the contractors worked to construct that beautiful complex now that we see it today it's it's amazing well god fashioned the whole world all these intricate ecosystems in i've had the privilege of traveling in different parts of the world and go snorkeling and these amazing underwater ecosystems these coral reefs that have all these fish and all of it working together in great harmony is just amazing and that's just one little ecosystem take take us just breathing in oxygen we need oxygen to survive and plants breathe in carbon dioxide and exhale oxygen amazing. it's amazing this whole beautiful cycle and that's just and then you take the human body and all of the animals and how intricately like amazing that the, the complexity of each one of those things. And it screams that there's a designer. Yeah. You think about like I've heard stories of like if the earth was a couple degrees or less, I don't even know how, very little, if it was closer to the sun, we would fry. If it was too far away, we'd be cold. But at just the right place and it's orbiting around the sun and it all works in great harmony, screaming that there's a designer and he's saying, I want you to know me. I want you to be close to me. And God's saying he wants us to reach out to him by faith that he is real and that he's a rewarder of those who seek after him. He wants an authentic, vibrant, real relationship with each one of us. He knows you by name, and he wants you to know him. If, but the, how do we have a relationship with the living God? It's by faith. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians two eight nine 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. God designed in such a way that we were in need of him from start to finish. And there's something that separates all mankind from God, a holy God. It's sin. But God, in, in his great kindness, made provision for man's sin through the person of Jesus Christ. God became man and he lived a sinless life, and he died on a cross, and he rose from the dead, conquering sin over all mankind. So that if we want, by faith, we can receive this free gift, this amazing gift of eternal life. Our sin can be paid for once and for all. It's not enough just to know that truth. You have to personally receive it by faith. By faith, you have to receive it. And God's inviting people into an amazing relationship with him. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him, put their faith in him, would not perish but have eternal life. And we can know with certainty that we are in right standing with God by faith because of what Christ has done. And so maybe here today you feel like you've made too many mistakes for God to love you. Well, let's just settle that once and for all. In Christ, you're righteous. In Christ, you're forgiven. You know that by faith. You don't know that because of your performance. You don't know that because of all the good deeds that you do and the Hail Marys that you do. You do it because you can stand on the trustworthiness and truth of God's word. And what Christ did for you on the cross, you're righteous when you receive Jesus into your heart. That's why the Bible says to take up the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness, not your righteousness, his righteousness. You understand your position in Christ because of what he did for you. The enemy of your soul, the devil, wants nothing more than you to go around living far below who you are in Christ. And it's a lie. He's a liar. He lies you every single day, whispering lies to you, causing you to live far below what Christ died to give you. You are a son and a daughter of the most high God in Christ. By faith. And you can hold your head up high, not because of your track record, but because you have received Jesus and you are right. So, because of that, you can go boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of God, and talk to God about anything, even your imperfections, your failures, everything that you've done, because Christ made it possible. He has made you righteous and holy by faith. What God promises you, he will deliver on. That's another thing. When God makes a promise to you, he's faithful. You don't have to question that. You, can know, you don't know how it's going to happen. The details are left in his hands. It's not your job to figure it out. Abraham, Abraham had to believe God by faith against all odds. In fact, he's known as the father of our faith because of his journey of walking with God. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land. I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's a pretty amazing promise. But he didn't give a lot of details. I've learned that about God. He leaves out details. And he's saying, I don't want you to figure it out. I want you to trust me. I'll bring it to pass. I want you to trust me. I want you to lean on me. I want you to seek me and be in relationship with me. And when I want you to know, I'll tell you. So until then, I want you to keep trusting Keep believing. Keep walking with me. So Abraham continues to walk with God. But God didn't give him all the puzzle pieces. I've learned that God gives one puzzle piece at a time. And it can be frustrating. I'm like, I don't know what to do. That's okay, Corey, because I do. I want you to trust me by faith that I have it figured out, that I'm directing your steps, that I'm leading you. Do what, you last, what, what I last told you. And just keep doing that with all your heart. And when I tell you there's a change coming, I'll let you down. Until then, <laughs> keep walking by faith. Keep trusting me. Keep believing in me. So this is what it says three chapters later in Genesis 15, 1 through 7. Sometime later. Don't you love that word? Sometime later. When? How long? He didn't say. Just sometime later. The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. That's a pretty awesome promise. So he's added a little bit more puzzle pieces. He's now going to have a son. He said, originally God said, I'm going to use you to bless the whole earth, basically. All the nations of the earth. And I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. But now he says, you're going to have a son. Your your servant is not going to be your heir. I'm actually going to give you a son. It's pretty awesome. And Abraham believed God. He didn't know how it was going to happen. By the way, Abraham was 75 years old when this happened. Woo! 75. God wants us to trust Him by faith one step at a time. He wants us to walk in close fellowship with Him and again, He will begin to make our steps known, the way forward. It requires us seeking God. And trusting him. This is what it says in Jeremiah 29 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God doesn't want us to be this mysterious God up in heaven that doesn't interact with us. He wants a close, vibrant, authentic relationship. And that happens when we get serious about our relationship with God, when we put him first, when we put him in a position of great honor in our lives. And we do that by devoting our time to him. And saying, God, I want to put you first. I, I'm going to carve out time in my day to say, I need you. I want you. I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need your help. And when we do that, he's attentive and he begins to speak to us. Jeremiah 33:3 says this, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Man, God loves to tell us about our purpose, our future. He wants to speak those things to us one thing i've learned about god is that it takes he rarely is ever if ever on our time frame he does things out of ordinary timing of what we think so 11 years go by for abraham and sarah so they thought i think god needs our help i think god needs our help Another way of saying that is a work of the flesh. So Sarah said, well, maybe God means I can't have children. Obviously, God is not giving us children. So why don't you, Abraham, sleep with my maidservant and we'll have a child through her? And Abraham said, sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. So they had, they agreed to let Abraham sleep with Hagar, the maidservant, and that just doesn't work out good. So as soon as Hagar got pregnant, she started looking suspicious at Sarah and dysfunction happens. Have you ever had dysfunction in your life out of choices we make trying to help God out? We all have. Well, dysfunction happened, and a lot of mess took place, and it just wasn't a good situation. There was a lot of stress, dissension, and heartache because of that decision. How many of us have done that in our own lives? We we're like God, you're not moving fast enough, so you need help. Clearly, you're not moving. (laughs) so I'm gonna help move it along well in my own life there was a season of my life where I literally lost everything in my financial situation I um, there there was a recession of 2000, 2008 2009 economy collapse I literally lost everything and my dad and stepmom graciously let me move in with them and I was living in their basement for almost two years without a vehicle I was completely dependent on others to get around. It was a very humbling time. And God began to speak to my heart, I want you to set captives free. I was like, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? And so I was trying to figure out what that means. I began to do some writing. And my stepmom one day was like, Corey, you need to get a real job. (laughs) You need to get a real job. And I was like okay we'll see how that works God I believe you're telling me to do this but let's see what we can do so I started working for their insurance company and when I say there was no grace there to do that it was so boring I fell asleep there was no grace to do it like nothing and so that job lasted for all of about two seconds And then I went into business with my twin brother doing landscape work. And we had two different visions of what the company should be about. Let me just tell you, there was fireworks and the grace was not there for me to do it. And a lot of dysfunction happened because of that. And I felt God speak to me and said, Corey, I didn't tell you to do those things. I told you to set captives free. And I want you to be busy doing what I've asked you to do. I was like, God, I need money. Like, I'm supposed to get a real job. So help me do whatever. So I committed to writing and putting down the things that God was teaching me on this journey. And within two months, the largest Christian newspaper company in the country contacted me. They found my generic blog on Facebook, and it was the cheapest, cheesiest thing, but they said, we found your blog and we love how you write. We're revamping our newspaper and we're looking for writers like you. We think the message you're sharing needs to be told. What would you think about writing for us? And that began a published writing career for me. Why? Because I chose to believe God by faith and step out and do what he was asking me to do. When you step out and you step into alignment with his plan, miracles can happen. When we try to get creative and smart and do things our way and help God out, dysfunction happens. The world is filled with dysfunction because they're not doing it God's way. When we choose to do it his way, that's when real miracles begin to take place. And my prayer today is that you would listen to what God's telling you to do and you have the courage and the faith to do what he's asking you to do. What's the beautiful about the story of Abraham and Sarah is that God did not give up on them because they made a mistake. He weaved it into their story and he showed them mercy and kindness. And ultimately, Abraham and Sarah ended up having a child. But it didn't happen immediately. It was another 14 years later of learning to trust God, quit trying to do things in my own strength, but leaning and trusting up God. At the age of 99, Abraham and Sarah at 90 years old, God divinely gave them a child, a promised child, a child that would ultimately become the nation of Israel, that ultimately would lead to King David and ultimately to the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we do it his way, amazing things can happen. In fact, when you give him all your brokenness, all the the derailings that we create ourselves, he can take those like only God can and weave that into the most incredible story of his mercy and his grace. He wants to do that with your life. Hold on to the promise God put in your heart and don't let go of it. The Bible says the righteous man and woman of God will live by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. God is not on our timetable. He will do what he promised in his divine timing. When is that? When he says it's the right timing. You don't know. I don't know. He knows. And when your waiting period has accomplished in you what God is trying to accomplish, he will resurrect that dream and you will stand amazed at his goodness and you'll be prepared, you'll be prepared to do great good in the earth with what he's entrusted to you. It will require faith to see God work out for your good what seems to be a horrible situation in your life. I know so many people, friends of mine, acquaintances, and being in ministry, people just sitting on the sidelines, so angry and so bitter at God because they feel ripped off in life of what has happened to them. They can't imagine that a good God would allow this horrific event in their life. And so instead of trusting God by faith in a good God, who is willing to work that negative situation out for great good, they remain angry and bitter and their life is not moving forward. They're stuck. And I believe God has brought me here tonight to get some people unstuck. That you would resurrect this desire to trust God by faith inside of you. And that you'll get back in the game of life because God wants you to bear great fruit. Not all circumstances in your life are good, but God is good. And he will work those things out in his divine timing for your good. It's a lot like baking cookies. My mom grew up making Toll House chocolate chip cookies. And they were divinely good. In fact, she let us help make them. And so if you isolate any of those ingredients, raw eggs, they don't taste very good. A handful of salt, disgusting. Flour, gross. Baking soda, nope. Disgusting. But if you take all of those ingredients in the right proportions and you mix them together and the master chef, puts them in the oven at the right temperature and adds the chocolate chip cookies and puts it in the oven and waits for the divine right time. Amazing goodness comes out of it. If you isolate those events, it tastes terrible. You wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want a mouthful of that. But if you trust the master chef, amazing cookies can come out in the end. If you'll trust him. You see, it will require trusting God by faith when some of the ingredients in your life don't taste that good. A bankruptcy, a divorce, abuse, neglect, mistreatment at work, a health issue, chronic pain. We all have issues. We all have difficulties going on in our life or we know people in our lives right now that are on the sideline because of difficulty, of things that don't make sense to our natural mind. And God's inviting us to trust him, that the master chef can take those ingredients and make something beautiful, but it will require trust because you don't see the way forward. The Israelites spent 430 years in slavery. God spoke to Abraham and said, your your descendants will be in slavery for 400 years. But I'm telling you this in advance so that you know I will deliver them and I will bring them out against the people that have held them in bondage and I will discipline that nation and I will set them free and they'll come free with great wealth. Because I have promised to give them the promised land. And I will make good on my promise to you, Abraham, if you'll trust me by faith. So 430 years go by. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's kids. The 12 tribes of Israel came from them. They grew up into this multitude of people. And they were in slavery for 430 years multiplying in Egypt and God said, now's the time I'm going to deliver them. He raised up Moses to deliver God's people. And Moses has a burning bush experience and God shows him, he's equipped him to accomplish this mission. So he says, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So he goes back to Egypt and he meets with the elders of Israel and they're convinced, oh my gosh, God is for us. He's getting ready to deliver us. This is so exciting. And then Moses goes and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Yahweh, I am, says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I don't know your God. And I don't know who you are. In fact, you're keeping the Israelites from working because they're lazy. I want them to make the same quota of bricks But no straw. You got to go get your own straw. That's my straw. You can't use my straw. Go get your own straw. And now terror grips the Israelites. They once thought that God was with them. But when adversity came, something entered their life they didn't like. Now God's not with them anymore. They complained. They scream. They cry. Why'd you bring us here? We didn't ask for this, Moses. You made our life more difficult. They were crying out to God to deliver them. He saw their injustice and he was bringing them out of bondage. But because it looked different than they thought, they refused to trust God. How many of us in our own lives, it looks different. We've been praying, God, deliver me. Help me fulfill your purpose. But because God's taking a roundabout way to get you to your promised land, it's hard to trust him. In fact, you don't trust him. Many people say, I refuse to trust you. This isn't fair. I didn't sign up for this. So they're on the sidelines. I believe God's brought me here to encourage you to get back in the game. He's with you. He's for you. He wants you to look through a lens of faith and trust in God. That What he said, he will bring to pass. So God allowed these incredible acts to deliver God's people in a mighty power against this mighty nation of, of Egypt. And Pharaoh finally says, okay, get out. I'm done with you. I'm sick of this. Your God is a handful. He lets them out. They start marching. The Bible says in a roundabout way. And God leads them to the Red Sea. And they're pinned in on two sides by like mountains. They're in a valley and they're up against the Red Sea. And God hardens Pharaoh's heart once again. And he says, why on earth did I let them go? I'm going after them. So he he takes all his best men, he goes after the Israelites. They're up against the Red Sea and God fights for the Israelites. Parts the Red Sea, they go through. The waters come crashing down on the Egyptians. A mighty victory. And then God starts leading them through the wilderness. He provides manna, a unique food material they had never seen before, providing for them, providing water for them. When they needed water, he provided clothing. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their whole time they were in the wilderness. And he provided leadership, a pillar of cloud or cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. He was with them every step of the way. And yet they refused to trust him. They said, we're hungry. We don't want this manna anymore. Give us quail. God gave them quail. Because there would be maybe days in between their waterings. They complained that they didn't have enough water. And God was testing their heart. Will you trust me to get you to your promised land? You see, some of the ingredients in their life were not comfortable. They were uncomfortable. It seemed unfair. It didn't seem like that's what God should do. And it made their life what appeared to be difficult. And many of them wanted to go back to Egypt. What did you bring us out here? God Die? God said he would take them into the promised land flowing with milk and honey. They would have cities they didn't build and and vineyards they didn't plant. It was an amazing place. But in order to get there, they had to trust God by faith every step of the way. And God exposed what was really in their hearts. What's sad is the promise God makes to you and me is not a guarantee. It's a guarantee on God's part. But there requires cooperation on our end, a belief and trust in God by faith. By faith we walk. By faith we trust Him when we don't know the way forward. And when we trust God, He will lead us into our divine destiny and purpose, and we will get there if we trust Him. You see, the entire older generation of God's people never entered the promised land because they lacked trust in God. They didn't, they didn't live by faith. They lived by fear. They lived according to their carnal nature and their carnal reasoning. And they never entered their promised land. Two individuals of that whole generation entered Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they trusted God by faith. They trusted God by faith. Will you trust God when life doesn't make sense? When your circumstances appear to be unfair and you are at a disadvantage. There was a season in my life in high school, I felt ripped off. My parents went through a difficult divorce and I was angry. And during that time, it was a vulnerable time in our family history, I was abused sexually. And I felt... A lot of anger a lot of frustration I felt ripped off and I felt like God didn't keep up his end of the bargain and I was on the sidelines of life for a long time and I was giving all the reasons why I couldn't be successful in life because I had disadvantages And when God got a hold of my life in college, he said this to me, Corey, if you will trust me by faith, I'll make great good out of this situation one day. And something rose up on the inside of me, this knowing that I know that I know God can be trusted. And I dropped the bad attitude. I dropped the bitterness. I chose to forgive. I chose to show mercy And I said, God, whatever that means, I want to see what you can do with somebody's life who's willing to trust you at your word that you will work all things together for good. That you'll take these negative ingredients that taste disgusting, and they're not fair, and it's not good. That you'll work it together for my good. I want to see that God at work in my life. And it took 13 years, 13 years... And a financial collapse, throw that in there. And I was in my parents' basement, my dad's stepmom's mom's basement, literally at one of the lowest points of my life, and God spoke to me. I want you to set captives free. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I'm broke. I have nothing to my name. What does that even mean? Corey, I want you to trust me. I'll show you what that means one day at a time as you walk with me. And so I said yes, whatever that means, it's yes. I started this free blog. And the largest Christian newspaper company in the country contacted me. I said this. And I started working for them. And while I was working for them for a year, I had had great influence. I had about 200,000 people that I was speaking into on a monthly basis. And they trusted me I could speak on any subject I wanted. And I came across this organization called Destiny Rescue that was going undercover, offering hope and freedom to children caught in the commercial sex industry. And something moved inside me. Help them. And I said, I'd love to write an article on your organization. I don't know how I could do that. But I know that I, you could go over and visit their work in a couple of their countries that they work in. So that's what I did. I went over with the idea. I was going to interview their founder. And I was going to write a favorable article for this organization. I was going to wipe my hands, do my, do, just do my good deed, and then move on with my life. <laughs> so that's what I went to do. I interviewed the founder, and after I'd interviewed him, he had never read one thing I wrote. Never once. Didn't even know how good of a writer I was. But he came to me later that week, and he said, "Our writers leaving the organization? What would you think about coming on staff and writing for us? In great faith, I said no. (laughs) I came back to the States. I I was getting speaking opportunities and writing opportunities. I could not figure out how that could fit into what I was already doing. So carnal reasoning doesn't work. So, but by the grace of God, for two weeks I couldn't sleep. God just kept ticking at my heart. I want you to be a voice for these kids. I'm about to make good on a promise I made to you 13 years ago. I want you to work for this organization and I want to use you to help rescue kids. Since I started working for Destiny Rescue, we've rescued almost 7,000 individuals out of the commercial sex industry, a sexual exploitation. Situation. Amen. I look back at my life now and God is doing the most incredible thing with the pain I endured in my own life. How is that possible? Because God can take our negative ingredients. And make chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> he can make divine chocolate chip cookies. Only he can do that. He knows all the situations you're going through. He knows how to align it all for his eternal good purposes. And he, I believe he wants to do that with you. Maybe some of you here, you're, you've, you've just been unwilling to let God have some of the ingredients in your life. You're holding too tightly to those negative experiences. And God's saying, if you give it to me, I can make something amazing out of that. I'm the ultimate chef. And chocolate chip cookies is only the beginning. But you got to trust me by faith. You got to trust that I know what I'm doing, Corey. I know more than you, a lot more. I know the end from the beginning. I'm called the author and the finisher of your faith. And as long as we're holding the pen in our lives, God can't write our story. He's asking you to let go. He wants to write your chapters. There's so many amazing chapters in front of you, but you have to let go. Will it be cliffhangers? Yes. Will it be some pain in the future? Yes. But God promises to be with you through it all. And in the end, God will be well pleased with you. Because you're choosing to walk by faith, trusting Him. Walking daily with God, little by little. Him uncovering the amazing plan He has for you, uniquely individualized for you. No one else can fulfill it, only you can. And it requires faith. I met this guy when I lived overseas in Thailand. He was inspired by some of the kids we were rescuing. His name is Nick Vujacek. He was born with no legs and no arms. He felt ripped off in life. For much of his early childhood, he was so depressed. And at one point he tried to commit suicide because he felt basically it was a mistake. And he was angry at God because he felt disadvantaged in life. And one day, he happened to be reading this story in the Bible. Jesus' disciples and Jesus came up to this blind man. And his disciples said, Did he sin, Lord, or did his parents sin? Is that why he's in this situation? And God said, Neither. Jesus said, Neither. He was born blind to display my glory and my power. And those words ignited off the page, and he realized that God was Going to make something beautiful out of something broken and say, in your weakness, Nick, will be a great demonstration of my power to be used to reach people and offer them hope in a relationship with me. He went on to start a ministry called um, Life Without Limbs. And he's shared the gospel with 733 million people around the world. He travels the globe speaking and offering hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he fights to defend those kids that are being bullied in life. It's amazing. He's now married, has four kids. It's unbelievable. He chose to believe that the God of the impossible was fighting for him by faith. What excuses do we have? What what, what are all the things that you're saying the reason why you can't to God? And my encouragement to you tonight is you can. You can do whatever God has called you to do. You can't do anything you want, but you can do what he's called and empowered you to do. And so I want to just take some time. Kevin's going to come up for a song. He doesn't know that yet, but he is. (laughs) And we want to open this time up for you, between you and God, to say, God, here my life is. Is there anything in my life that I'm not giving you the ingredients you deserve to be in your hands? All this hurt and this pain... All the things I don't understand that God is God and the world being created. What is your hang up? And I believe God wants you to give him those ingredients. And when you do and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you by faith tonight. I believe there's people here. I believe there's people online. That God wants you to give him those things. And you're going to see peace return to you. You're going to see a vibrant relationship with God go to a whole new level in your walk with him because you're willing to trust him at his word.